are in our series, Sermon on the Mount. We are getting closer. It looks like, I haven't given you guys a promised end date, but it looks like we'll be wrapping it up here kind of with the month of August as we finally today will close out um, Matthew chapter 6 and then uh, we'll dive into Matthew chapter 7 and part of it for uh, the next couple weeks here. Uh, but today I am... I'm really excited, honestly, to dive into what Jesus is talking about, the topic that he brought up in this message. And, and I believe it's one that is um, highly relevant to this moment. Um, you know, sometimes we preach uh, as communicators, pastors, you know, we, we preach messages um, from the Word. And, and every once in a while, it just lines up. Your planning and your strategy line up in a way that you can't quite ordain or set, um, set aside, but God can. And this is one of those messages where I feel like right now, where we're at in our world uh, today, is going to really, really help us. And, and I wonder, before we dive into the text and get started, I wonder if, um, if we were to kind of go down the rows and all of us were, we're not going to do this, don't worry, it's not going to be open mic day, but if we were, if we were to start sharing and talking about like what are our personal stress points, what are triggers in our life that, that cause us to kind of lose it a little bit, that kind of cause us to, to set it off, like it sets us off a little bit. Have you guys ever talked about uh, or heard the reference of people who just know how to push your buttons? You ever heard that phrase, right? It's almost like we have this like button panel, and if the people know how to push it just right, and they just twist it just right and say just the right words at the right time, uh, it can just set you off. And, and right, we're, we're all, you know, if you're in this room, you have some interest in being a Christian, one who follows Jesus. And if you follow Jesus, that means you're trying to be like Jesus. But I bet you, put in the right settings of the the right situations, every single one of us have moments where our humanity is going to shine through. You know what I'm talking about? Like those moments where you're like, I am just not like Jesus right now. And, uh, and it's just happening. And, and I've, I've joked in the past that I am a work in progress with my ultimate trigger. Um, but my, one of my biggest, just petty, petty trigger, this is not a serious thing. Okay. This is super petty, but one for me that will set me off is bad customer service. And, and I felt like I had been growing in this, okay? Like I knew, like I need, I'm a work in progress. I need to calm down in the drive-thrus. I, I, I need to, I need to have patience. I need to stop saying sarcastic things like when they're struggling at the cash register say, hey, do you just want me to hop back there? I can just do it for you. Like I need to stop. I, I know this. Like I know the sarcastic comments aren't helping. I know that the devil looks in my eyes, like the evil looks in my eyes aren't helping move this along. But recently, guys, I just, it's a confession moment for your pastor, okay? Recently, um, I, I was going to preach at camp, and, uh, and, and I wanted to get a haircut, and, and I am not good about getting my haircut, okay? I, I, it is like one of my least favorite things to have to handle. I don't know why. I can't stand it. It's a pain, and especially now, uh, I mean, you have to book in advance, right? Like, you can't get a haircut unless you book in advance. So I planned this out. I was like, well, I'm going to go with our youth pastor, Eric, wherever he's at. And, and Eric was going <laughs> to drive me to camp. And uh, on the way, we're going to stop at, at a barber shop. And, and, and I want to get a nice haircut. And so I actually, you know, you ever have 
how many of you guys have those tiers? Like, they're, 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 there's the great clips. I don't know what it is for women, right? But you have the tiers. Like, when you kind of want to spoil yourself, like, you kind of jump up a tier. This was me going, like, you know, I'm going to spoil myself. I'm going to get a nice haircut. I'm about to preach four nights in a row. My fade needs to be perfect. Like, I just want it to, like, I just want it to glisten. Like, this needs to be a good haircut. So I actually sign up you know, for a barbershop chain called Gent, and I think it's Gent, G-E-N-T, and, and, and the location that had an availability was in Edina, in Edina. So I'm like, I'm going to go to the bougie barbershop in Edina and get a fresh fade. And so, so I sign up and I register, and, and I have a, a, a time slot with Francisco the barber. And I'm going to go see Francisco, and he's going to cut my hair. And well, I walk in with my youth pastor. This is just, again, a week and a half ago or two weeks ago, whatever it was. And I walk in, I say, hey, I'm here for my appointment. And she goes, no, you're not. And I'm like, well, no, I have an appointment with Francisco. And she gets this toot, the, the receptionist. She just gets this attitude. And she's like, actually, Francisco called in sick today. So no, you don't have an appointment with Francisco. And I'm like, first of all, you're being very on brand for Edina right now. First off. <laughs> Second off, this is not the type of experience I'm wanting to have. Like, I'm, this is my bougie haircut. You're supposed to make me feel special. You're not supposed to make me feel like an inconvenience. And, I mean, the amount of things that start running through my head. And, and I'm like, no, no, it's there. And she's like, no, it's not. Like, you're not getting your haircut today. And, and she's, she's funny. And I finally, right, I just balk. Like, it just pushed my buttons. I said, you know what? Actually, no, I'm not getting my haircut right now. And I'm never coming back to your barbershop. I'm leaving right now. And, by the way, I'm calling your manager on the way out. How many of you guys you just throw out that threat, right? You're like, I'm going to call your manager. I'm going to let him know the experience that I just had. And, and I'm just heated, right? I'm just heated. And, uh, and I go, and I literally pick up my phone. Uh, to, to go call, I'm literally, I'm going to call the management. I'm going to let them know that the, this receptionist, and literally my phone rings, and this receptionist was good, actually. She, she, she looked up my number quickly, realized I did have an appointment, realized she did make a mistake. She called her manager first, and now this was the manager calling me on my cell phone number, and she called me. She goes, Mr. Grosso. I'm like, that's better. Don't call me Sam. Call me Mr. Grosso because I'm heated right now. And she's like, Mr. Grosso, I am so sorry. We had a mix-up. Da-da-da-da-da. What can I do to make it up to you? And I said, well, it's, not, it's never going back to your shop. And she's like, no. What can I do? And out of this deal, I got a free haircut. But I said, I'm not going back to the Edina location. I'll go to your St. Paul location. Free Free haircut in the St. Paul location. So she gives me a free haircut and she made it right. And in that moment, I'm going, right, my humanity comes out. My, my, my flesh comes out. I'm like, this is not the experience I want. Has anybody ever had a moment like this where you're like, this is just a, a trigger moment. This is a, this is not, I, I'm busy today. I don't have time for this today. I don't have the patience for this today. And, and, and what happens is, is many of us have petty triggers. Again, we can list them all. Uh, you know, we could go down the list. And then we have like some real triggers, like things that put us in a mood real quick, but they're real issues. Like maybe the, 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 for me, I, I remember for years and years and years, I, I never wanted to look at my bank account. Like just don't even look. It's going to be a trigger. It's never going to be as much money as I need. And that would be a real trigger. Or, or uh, for me, I, I don't know what it is, but Car problems, car repairs just drive me nuts. When all of a sudden your car, I'm like, I don't have time for this. I don't, I don't have 
stress for this. Uh, recently, we had a, a, a trigger, right? Just when your appliances break down. I don't know why appliances, right? First world probs. Like you're like, man, it's my appliances breaking down. But then you can start getting down the list and it gets more serious. All of a sudden, the, the stress and the worry and, and the pressures can come from things like illnesses, right? And all of a sudden, when you lose your health, you realize how much of a treasure your health is and, and, and things can start to build and, and all of a sudden real issues can start to hit your life. And, and the reality is that while we all have petty stuff, we all have real things going on as well. We all have real stuff in our life that are like, this is causing an anxious spirit inside of me. This is causing a sense of worry. This is causing me to stress. Right now, right, like, let's be honest, I, I think between the month of like mid-June to mid-July, I think I went almost a month without talking about COVID. Like there was a time, there was this little sliver of, of time where we just kind of stopped talking about it and it felt like life was back to normal and then comes the Delta variant and all of a sudden we're back to talking about it and it's, it's everywhere and, and people are sick. I, I, I know many people right now who are at home quarantined very sick with the variant and all of a sudden it's coming back and we're like, not again. How many of you feel like the Delta variant is just coming for your fall plans? Like, I just, like, right, you all of a sudden, you're like, I just don't know. I hope to do this stuff this fall, but we'll see, right? All of a sudden, th this wave is hitting us again of what's going to come, what, you know, what are the restrictions going to be? How's it going to affect our school year? What's that going to look like? And, and that stress and worry cycle is just coming right back. And all of a sudden, there's these triggers of what we've been through over the last year and a half. And what's interesting is that... Um, all of these things, all of the weights of life, all the things that come at you and the problems and the issues and the stresses and the pain and the, the hurt and the illness and all of these things start to accumulate a significant mental battle. And I think sometimes in church, we want to act like there should be no mental struggle in church. Like our minds should just be places of peace at all times and such a level of serenity that if we actually love Jesus, we would never feel anxious, that we would never feel stressed, that we would never feel worried, that we'd never feel depressed, that none of those emotions should ever have its place in a Christian's mind. But the problem is, is that creates a weight that is just impossible to match up to. Because there's not one person in this room who's gone even a month without stress, anxiety, worry, depression, something hitting them. And the reason our mental health has become sort of this hot topic, people want to talk, call it a, a hot topic or a trendy topic. We just love trendy topics in America. We just like to focus on a singular topic for a moment. But the reason why it's trending up is because um, uh, mental distress is trending up. More and more people are struggling mentally, so more and more people are talking about it. And, and actually, statistics have been released. If you're like, man, I feel like probably people aren't doing as well, you know, in a world of pandemic. It's true. It's actually true. There's a huge spike in it. If you talk to anybody that's in therapy or psychology, you, we know that people are seeing, seeking out help more than they've ever sought out help before. Um, during uh, August 2020 to February 2021, the percentage of adults with recent symptoms of an anxiety or a depressive disorder increased from 36.4% to 41.5%. 41.5% of Americans have had a recent symptom of an anxiety or a depressive disorder. This is recent. 
This is, this is putting it within, that within the last couple of months, they've experienced something like this. And the percentage of those reporting an unmet mental health care need increased from 9% to 11.7%. So one in 10 of us have a mental health need that is completely going unmet, unchecked, undealt with. It's a struggle that you haven't even vocalized to a single person, and you're just dealing with it on your own. And, and see, what's the saddest part of this is the increases were actually largest among adults aged 18 to 29 years. 18 to 29 years. This is something that's coming for the youth. This is something that's coming for the young adults. This is something that is trying to set the tone for the next generation of American culture. That, that, that Gen Z as a, in their adult life is just going to be marked by depression and anxiety and mental health disorders. That that's going to be the defining factor uh, of their years. And I just, for me, I just, I, I have to believe, right, that Jesus talked about this. Right? There, there has to be that Jesus would speak on this. And, and if we want to minimize the issue, I, I, I really think that um, one of the most toxic things a Christian can do is minimize the hurt of someone else. I, it's confusing to me why when Simone Biles couldn't compete, it was actually so many Christian voices I saw that were just trashing and bashing her. What kind of competitor is that, that she would allow mental health to allow her to, to cave under the greatest platform on earth? How could she not handle that? How dare she not handle the, the, the pressures of five years in an America that wants to rally around a champion? How, how dare she cave under that? Because why? Because we are minimizing someone else's struggle that we don't know, that we don't see, that we don't understand. Wouldn't, shouldn't the first response of a Christian be, I wonder what's really going on? I wonder what's really, well, how could she be hurting in such a way that, that the, one of the most, um, um, right, she's won more medals than just about any other Olympian. How, what, what's going on in her life, in her world that would, would put her in that spot where she, she caved, right? And then in true American fashion, right, she, she actually goes back and she competes, but she only wins a bronze. So it doesn't make headline news, right? How I many you know if she won gold? It would have been headline news. We would have all been cheering and talking about it because there is a performance-driven society that is being built. If you perform for me, I'll celebrate you. If you perform for me, I'll love you. If you show up and you do what I want you to do, then you'll get cheered for. But don't be weak. Don't have issues. Don't struggle. If you're struggling, if you're having issues, don't tell anybody. Put that on the back burner because we got to show up. We got to perform. We got to be solid. And so really, I believe this presents this incredible opportunity for the local church to be so countercultural. Alex said it. The kingdom of God is upside down. It's always countercultural. So in a culture that de de demands performance, what if we actually bring in empathy and say, hey, 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 I'm going to seek to understand you before I seek for you to understand me. I I'm going to seek to understand before I seek to be understood. I'm going to listen before I'm going to be quick to listen and I'm going to be slow to speak. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to hear what's really going on. I'm going to try to actually understand what, what the struggle is and, and get down to the heart of it and get down to the issue. The reality is, uh, and, and, you know, we're wading into this conversation around a mental health. And before I even open the Bible, I just want to let you guys know I'm a pastor. I'm not a licensed therapist. I, I'm not here, um, right? I, I, I'm not going to go to spaces that, I, that I'm not educated in. 
um, or, or say things, but I, I know there's truth in the word, and Jesus gives us some hope. And so as a shepherd, right, a pastor, a shepherd, I'm always going to point people back to Jesus. I'm saying, hey, we, we got to believe there's some hope in Jesus. we got to believe he's got some truth for us in his word that's going to help us with this. But, but I just want to say this, that our artisan church, we are not here to minimize pain and say, get over it. Uh, we, we actually want to empathize. We want to help. And, and we want to hear so we can help bring people out of that hurt. We, we do believe in that healing. We do believe in that freedom. But sometimes, how many of you know, you got to meet people where they're at. Jesus met people where they're at. He went across an entire ocean just to meet with a certain demoniac right where he was at. An outcast in the middle of nowhere, hurting, dealing with insane mental health issues. And met him there and actually brought healing to him. So let's see what he said around anxiety, worry, these types of things. And, in, and we're going to continue on in the Sermon on the Mount here. And in Matthew chapter 6, um, starting in verse 25, he says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Who can add a single hour by being anxious? And which of you, by being anxious, uh, or, and, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Here's what's interesting. When we read this, sometimes we don't instantly translate it well back into our society today. Because you're like, oh, he's just talking about those who don't have clothes and don't have food, so it doesn't apply to me. If I have clothes and I have food, Jesus isn't speaking to me. But realize, remember the, the hearers. Who is he preaching to? This was the greatest point of anxiety and stress and worry for them. The, their physiological needs weren't met well in this time period. Uh, one drought, a drought, summer like this, and people would be starving to death. Like, like we're in a drought summer. That, that would have led to people starving to death. We, we understand that. In America, there's an abundance of food. There's an abundance of clothes. There's an abundance of all these things. So then we go, oh, this doesn't... Um, translate to us. But no, no, no. Jesus is addressing the greatest stress and anxiety points. So I wonder, it may not be physiological for you, right? But, but in the hierarchy of needs, where are you at? Is it, is it not physiological? Maybe it's not even safety, but is it love? Like, like, like what, what, what is the thing that you are greatest, that you are lacking the greatest? What is the thing that you are constantly feeling this stress and anxiety rising up about? I, I want us to begin to realize that Jesus is speaking to this point. He's speaking to these things that you're walking through. He's speaking to these things. And, and he says, uh, again, oh, 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 you of little faith. Um, Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Do you realize how many times he said the word anxious? 
Speaking to anxiety, do you think he's talking about mental health here? I believe he is. Over and over again, do not be anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Is its own trouble. And I'm going to dissect this verse, and we're going to take the next 20 minutes or so into really open up a conversation. And, And I think that if we would have this conversation... And we can start having it in a public setting that maybe it could translate into the private setting. You know, one of my greatest prayers is that more of us would feel open and, and the ability to be honest about what's really going on in our mind. See, see, what's interesting is I think that we are really good at maybe confessing or addressing the things that we do. But we're a lot slower to, to confess or to talk or to dissect or to walk through the things that we think. So, so if we act on stuff, we feel like, hey, we can talk about that. I got to pray. I got to come up to the prayer team. But when our thought life is just, just havoc, it's just chaos. It's just, there's no control. There's stress. There's anxiety. There's all this. And it, we're just lost in it. We feel like, well, that's not something we can address. And I think sometimes it might just be because you had an experience where someone minimized it and they said, get over it. Think different thoughts. You know what the Bible says, take thoughts captive, that's it. Right, we use verses as catchphrases to avoid dealing with people's pain. But, but all you're doing is you're shirking the responsibility. You take that thought captive on your own by yourself in your room. Go lock yourself in a dark room and just deal with your, your demons, so to speak. Go deal with these negative thoughts. Go deal with this stuff that's coming at you. Go deal with the hurt and the pain of your past. Go by yourself. That's ugly. I don't know if you know this, but at church we want to be clean. We want everything to be clean. I don't know if you know this, but at church you're supposed to come in. You're supposed to put on that face that you're smiling, that you're good, that everything's all right. No! No, at church it needs to get messy. I really believe the cleanest church is full of messy people. Like seriously, just people that are saying, hey, I don't have it all together. I have moments and times and, and maybe even every night. And, and, and there's this real struggle in my mind. And I'm having dark thoughts and I'm, I'm in, a, I'm in a tough place. And this is a challenge. And here Jesus, do you want to know what he's not saying? Do not be anxious. And if you are, you're an evil person. Do not be anxious. And if you are, you don't really love me. Do not be anxious. And if you ever feel anxiety, then your, you, your, your, your faith is garbage and, and, and you're a failure. And you should feel terrible about yourself and, 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 and just allow that to just slip you into an even greater depression, an even greater anxiety. Jesus actually here is not heaping shame on people who are struggling mentally. He's actually giving us keys, clues, and and sparking hope. And and that's what I want to share with us today. Because he's not speaking even about instantaneous freedom from any potential anxiety in life. He he doesn't promise a life where we just get to skip around in the daisies with no stress, no anxiety. Everything is just easy. Life is real. Life gets heavy. In this life, we will face trials. He's also not telling us that feeling anxious or worrisome, again, means that you are evil or that you're just such a terrible, horrible sinner. Again, remember the law he is laying out. We talked about this in the first week. The law he's laying out, the new law, it's not... This is not, would not have been seen as a legal law. It would have been seen as a, a law of wisdom. It would have been seen as something that you can apply to your life. It would have been seen as teaching. And so we have to approach it still through that lens of what we talked about 
on the first week. And it's interesting here. I love what Jesus' uh, tactic, and, and, and it would have been common. This wasn't even new. He used this, um, what was actually a common Jewish pre- preaching method of how much more as a basis of establishing a point. So basically he says, how much more does God love you if he would so take care of creation? And I love this bend back to creation. And, and actually, again, many Jewish philosophers and teachers of the day, they were constantly relating faith back to creation. One of the reasons I believe that they did that is because we can constantly see creation as a reminder of God's love for us. We can constantly see creation as a reminder of God's provision for us. We can constantly see creation as a reminder of his love and care for us. So Jesus is establishing, hey, if he's taking care of the lilies of the field, of the flowers, if if he's taking care of them, how much more is he going to care about you, his creation, his, his most prized possession? The one that he breathed his life into, that sent his spirit to, the one that he uses to advance his cause around the world. How much more would he value you? And I think that some of us, that what Jesus is speaking to is some of our issues is that we just see no value in ourselves. That, that, that for some of us, we see very little value in who we are, where we're going, what we're doing. And Jesus isn't heaping shame, he's speaking value. He's saying, you are valuable to me. And so that thought, that struggle, that pain, that, I, it matters to me. I care even about that. King David had a way of doing this. He would say, search me and know me, God. Know my innermost thoughts. He's like, I am a mess up here. Come help me with it. I invite you, God, into my mental health. I invite you into the mess. I invite you into the anxiety. I invite you into the worry and the stress. I'm allowing you to come in. So he's using this how much more method to add value to you. He's saying you matter. You're valuable. And if anyone said something other than that, it's a lie. You matter. You're valuable. And and, and really, what I think he continues to go on, he begins to speak. We'll get into more details on it in a moment. But he begins to speak to this idea of for so many of us, where, we're fo- where our focus is, is off. You see, Jesus is telling us in this passage that anchoring our lives to the there and then will feel as fleeting as the wildflowers. Let me explain. The there and then versus the here and the now. See, what a lot of us do is we, we are so focused on, hey, what's coming next? Where am I going next? What's happening in the future? We get so obsessed with the anxieties and the worry of tomorrow. Am I on track? Am I measuring up? If I miss this moment, what's that going to, what, what ramifications is that going to happen in the future? And we start to pile on the stress and the anxiety of our whole life onto us and bring it into today. So there and then starts to take prominence in our mind over the here and the now. And Jesus is saying, hey, what I'm showing you with the how much more argument is if he takes care naturally of the earth and the lilies and and nature and all of these things, how much more does he have your future figured out? How much more does he have the there and then covered for you? Do you trust him? If you had faith, it would allow you to be healthy in your here and now. It would allow you to actually live in the here and now, live in what I'm trying to do today. Because today matters 
for you. I want, I want you to, 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 to get the peace to be able to focus on what you are doing today. And I wonder, I wonder, do you actually believe that if you live today right, that it'll make tomorrow great? Like, like do we have enough faith to believe that if I did today right, that tomorrow's going to be okay? Like, like, what if the best way to set up your future is just be awesome today? <laughs> What if the best way to accomplish all the goals and dreams for your life is to focus on what you could do today, right? This is the, the challenge of all, like, physical health, too, is it not? Man, if I would just go to the gym today, maybe I could start a cycle. Well, I know I'm probably just not going to go tomorrow, so what good is it to go today? I've tried this before. It doesn't work. I lose my flow. I lose where I'm going, Right? And yet, can we translate that to mental health? What am I doing today? Well, I won't. today won't matter because the issue is probably going to find me tomorrow. So it's just a never-ending cycle, and I'm lost. And, and the there and then is coming for me, so the here and now is corrupted because there and then. And we get in this cycle, and we start to lose over and over again. And, and really, he says this clue, seek first his kingdom, in your here and now, and then you will see an impact in your there and then. And essentially, my takeaway from this that I read is, is my priorities are going to determine my progress. So I want to make progress towards health. I want to get better. What this passage is telling me is that my priorities today are going to affect my progress for tomorrow. So, so like, like what I do right now really matters. In fact, what I do right now matters a lot more than what I hope to do later because I can only do what I can do now. I can't actually go into the future and make decisions there. The decision you make today is far more powerful than the dreams you have for tomorrow. Way more. What, what am I doing? What are my priorities today? It's going to determine my progress down the road. The same thing. I mean, I could go on illustration after illustration. I mean, it's the same thing with your money. If I would have just invested in Bitcoin right? I'd be a millionaire. But you didn't. Or maybe you did. Give to for the future. Uh, right? Like, it, it, what's the best thing you can do with your money today? Invest it now. People say, what's the best time to start investing? Today. Right now. How much? Something. Do something. Like, do something now. And what you do in the here and now is going to affect your there and then. But many of us live in the there and then, and so we never get there. We, we, we live in that future place, but we're not living in the here and now, and you only get to the there and then by living in the You get what I'm saying? You understand what I'm speaking? I believe Jesus is trying to paint this picture for us. If our priorities are so consumed with the questions of life, we're going to stunt our growth. Anxiety is going to wreak havoc on our spirits. But Jesus lays out the key piece to combating anxiety and worry. He says it so plainly. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom. Seek the kingdom right now. Seek the kingdom right here, right now, in your moment. And to seek the kingdom, though, what is the kingdom? This is what he's talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. He's establishing his kingdom. He's saying, hey, I'm going to bring the kingdom to earth, and I'm going to be its king. So to seek the kingdom, you have to actually allow Jesus to become Lord of your life. He's got to be your king. Who was the first person that really understood this? It was a Roman centurion. 
And he called him Jesus who? He called him what? He called him Lord. And he said, I understand authority. And, and I want to come into your upside down kingdom where healing is possible, where miracles are possible. And I'm going to do that by kneeling at your feet, submitting to your authority and say, hey, I'm, I'm coming into your kingdom. And I'm going to follow what you said. And here's what's interesting about the kingdom. We, we understand that the kingdom is built and it's advanced by the preaching of the good news. Euagileon, the, the, the gospel message of Jesus. Did you know that New Testament believers actually saw the good news, the gospel message of Jesus as all of his teachings, not just the story of his death and resurrection? They, they didn't boil it down to just this little catchphrase sermon and a little tiny prayer. They actually said, hey, the good news is how he taught us to live. Because just believing that he lived, died, and rose again won't save you from all of your struggles. It's not going to help you in the here and now. Like, like, it can help you with your eternity. But what about the here and now? Do you know Jesus actually taught us about the here and now? <laughs> he taught us extensively about the here and now. And if you want to bring the kingdom of heaven here on earth, you, got, you have to apply and you have to submit to the teachings of the king to live in the kingdom. So, so, so apply these things. So seeking first the kingdom, what does that look like? It means apply Jesus' teachings to your life. Live as he taught us to live. Live in that upside down world. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. Do these things that he's taught us to do. Live by the Beatitudes. Work in the Lord's prayer into your life. Submit to these things. Actually do it. Actually seek the kingdom here on earth. And if you would do this, if you will seek the kingdom here on earth, then all these things are going to be added unto you. Then all these promises come to be. And, and see, what a lot of us want to do is we want to seek our healing, but we don't want to seek the king that brings the healing. And so we, we, we approach the struggles, the pain, and the hurt, and the afflictions of our life, and we're like, man, I, I want that healing, but, but I don't know if I want the king that offers it. I don't know if I want the lifestyle that he's asking because there's something I have to do. I actually have to do work in the here and now. I just want the there and then. Just bring the there and then here. Make it easy. Fix me. Fix me, Jesus. And he's going, I actually want a relationship with you. I want you to walk with me and work with me. I want you to do it as I do. I want to I journey with you in this. And what's interesting is that, at least for me, I feel that when I seek right, I see right. And, and what I mean by this is, is he begins to affect my thinking. So when I'm seeking the kingdom of God daily in the here and now, and I'm applying his teachings, when I'm actually doing some of these things, what, I, what it starts to do is it starts to shift how I view my life. And what happens is the weight of all the junk starts to dissipate because you realize it's of very little importance. It's amazing how stressed and anxious we can become about something that has no real value in life. What that means sometimes is hey, I, I shifted away. I shifted away from his kingdom. And, and, and I want to get back to that place. It's, it can be a tell. It can be a mark of, oh, man, I'm, I'm in this struggle. And I understand as well. Again, I, I just want to be very clear. I understand there is a scale. There are people that, that, that you're struggling with clinical anxiety, clinical depression at a level um, that is different than others in the room. And I'm, I, if at any point you're hearing me minimizing your pain, I'm not. I'm not. This is, this is a varying scale. There's a varying degrees of what we're struggling with. And each one of us is going to have our own journey 
to mental health. But I do stand on this stage as a pastor believing that health and wholeness is possible for everyone in this room. I, I, I really do. I, I, I believe that the diagnosis you may have received is true today, but I'm believing for a better diagnosis later. I'm believing in a hope that you can move towards health. I believe that Jesus does this. But the journey looks different. There's, there's a great way I want to actually help us understand this. There's two stories I want to I wanna paraphrase. Actually, won't the band come on up? We still have quite a bit to, to dig into here, but I want the band to come on up and get ready. There's, there's two stories. I'm going to paraphrase them. Two stories of Jesus and his disciples. Both have to do with a storm. And, and in one story, they are following Jesus. They're going where he tells them to, okay? And Jesus instructs them to get in a boat, and they go out to sea, and a storm hits. And the disciples are scared for their lives. And there's Jesus sleeping in the bottom of the boat as the story goes. And they're panicking, and they're mad at Jesus. How dare you be calm in the midst of the storm? We're dying up here. So what does Jesus do? He gets up, he wakes up, he gets out on the bow of the boat, and he commands the storm to stop. And immediately, the waves stop, the lightning, the thunder, the rain. Immediately, in that moment, waves are gone. But then there's another story where Jesus isn't in the boat this time. He actually tells his disciples, hey, go get in the boat, go to the other side, I'll meet you there. I'm not going to tell you how I'm going to catch up with you, but I'm Jesus. <laughs> Go to the other side, and I'm going to pray. You want to know where Jesus sent them? Right into a storm. Again, he sent them into the storm. He knew the storm was coming. And I actually wonder, this is where you can get your mind and imagination going, wouldn't you think the disciples who were fishermen would have seen the storm clouds brewing? Don't you think they understood the sea when a storm was coming? But yet they had the obedience to say, Jesus told us, so I guess we got to go. It looks kind of crazy over there. Looks like we might have a little bit of mix-ups and weather and issues. And Jesus, don't you remember last time we were in the storm? They go out and they paddle out and the storm hits them and the waves are raging. And again, they're fearing for their lives. Such a crazy storm that, that the, the boat's in fear of being capsized. This time Jesus does something different. Wouldn't you think Jesus would rush to them and do the command again? Be still. But this time, in the middle of the storm, Jesus walks on the water. And, and in the middle of the waves, he comes and he meets them there. And then he doesn't even get in the boat. He doesn't command the storm. He says, Peter, come meet me in the storm. I'm going to do a miracle today, but it's going to look different than last time. This time, I wonder if you have the faith to cling to me in the midst of the storm. I might let this storm go on for a little bit. I might let this storm rage for a little while, but do you have the faith to step out of the boat and walk to me? Do you have faith to get out and come to me? Will you do it? One moment, I might call to the storms and say, be still. And another moment, I might say, hey, in the midst of the storm, do you have faith enough to cling to me? You see, church, I don't understand why sometimes in a single moment, peace comes and mental health is restored. And then I don't understand why sometimes people cry out for years and don't receive that healing. 
But what I do know is that Jesus modeled that he's with us regardless of which miracle we get. In one story, he's saying, hey, I'll calm a storm. In another one, he's saying, hey, don't you dare forget that I'm with you in the storm. And the miracle is going to be you clinging to me and walking on water that it's not even just calm water. He's walking on waves and storm. I mean, realize, picture it, allow your imagination to go for a moment. Jesus saying, hey, either way I'm with you, either way I love you, either way I've got you, but I am your answer. If you would seek first the kingdom, I will do a miracle in your life. And each person, each story, each mind is going to have its own unique journey to health. But that health is possible. That health is in fact a promise. Because you want to know three great little thoughts that I get from this passage? Number one, I love the reality and the reminder that God knows our needs. I love this. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, but your Heavenly Father knows what you need. He knows that you need them all. He knows. He knows. Church, He knows. He knows your needs. He knows your needs. It's real. It's real. He sees it. And then there's this promise that all these things will be added. It's going to be added. It's coming. The journey might look different for one than the other, but it's coming because if we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, His teachings, His teachings, the things, the good news of the gospel, then all these things will be added to you. We don't seek, see, he says, hey, I know your needs. Don't seek your needs. I've got those. Seek me. Seek me and I'll take care of them. Do you trust me enough to believe that I know your needs and I'm going to meet them? To just seek my kingdom here on earth? Do you have enough faith to believe for that? Because if you do, and if you wouldn't seek your needs, but you would seek his kingdom, then all these things are going to be added unto you. Watch as I pour out blessing upon your life. Watch as I bring healing to your life. And I love, oh, this is, this is a word for somebody today. Guys, this is potentially the most in touch with humanity Jesus gets. It's such a simple truth that he lays out. Today is enough. Today is enough. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You've got enough on your plate today. Stop carrying the weight of your whole life into today and be in the here and now. If you would be with me in the here and now, if you would bring me into the here and now, if you would seek me in the here and now, if you would establish my kingdom in the here and now, if you would listen, if you would obey, if you would do that, watch what I'm going to bring to you. Watch what's going to happen there. Watch what's going to happen then. Watch what's going to happen when. I will take care of your needs, your dreams, all of those things, but you got to trust me now. And sometimes in the here and now, you got to step out of the boat and join me in the storm. And sometimes in the here and now, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to declare that the waves need to stop. And I'm going to bring peace into the moment. So church, all across this space, I want you to bow your head, close your eyes. We're actually going to have a time of response. And if you're here 
and you know that the Holy Spirit's moving, you feel His presence, you feel Him encouraging you, challenging you. Maybe you're here and you've been in a desperate battle for your mind and you feel like you're losing. You've been so stressed and anxious and depression is coming at you from all sides. I'm just believing that today there's some hope in the here and now. So if you're here and you know you need some prayer, would you just raise a hand? Just slip a hand up so I know who I'm praying for. You, that's you, that's you. Hands going up all over. Over half the room right now is saying, hey, I'm struggling in my mind. I need prayer. I need prayer. I need prayer. Jesus, I pray right now for every single hand raised. Holy Spirit, would you meet them right where they're at? Meet them right where they're at, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father, that, that you are near to us in these moments. You're near to us in the struggle. You're near to us in the battle. God, I thank you that you do bring hope. You bring a promise. You give us this declaration that we don't need to be anxious about anything when we put our trust and our hope in you. So God, I pray healing right now. I pray peace right now, the peace that surpasses all understanding to guard our hearts in this moment. We love you and we praise you. Come on, and everybody in the house you love, Jesus said.